The Penny Arcade Expo, or PAX, is a video game festival with events in Seattle, Boston, and, as of this year, Melbourne. It represents almost every kind of gaming you can imagine. There's tabletop, old school consoles, laser tag, card games, board games, they're all there. But in June of this year, something happened that caused some people to question if all gamers really were welcome at PAX. It all started with a Twitter post made by PAX co-founder Mike Kroholik. If thinking that all women have a vagina makes me a monster, then yes, I am a monster. Mike found himself at the centre of an online argument about transgender issues after he overlooked the existence of trans people. That is to say that for some people, your biological sex and your gender identity can be two very different things. Suffice it to say, people got angry. The day after the post was made, the Fulbright video game company withdrew from appearing at PAX Prime in Boston. The day after that, Mike issued a public apology and donated $20,000 of his own money to The Trevor Project, an organisation that fights against suicide amongst queer youth. Walking into PAX Australia, there's a sign that says, Welcome Home. But following these events, some people weren't sure if this welcome included them. That's what we'll be looking at over the next 15 minutes, and we spoke to pretty much everyone involved to gather a range of perspectives. You're listening to Kang Geek as we look at the spectrum of gamers at PAX Australia. I'm Ben McKenzie, and I'm the games mechanic at Pop-Up Playground. Now, Pop-Up Playground were originally set to run a panel at PAX Australia, even despite some early doubts. I've had reservations about the culture of Penny Arcade and the way they handled things like the Dick Wolf's controversy and, and other issues that have popped up over the years. But I kind of wanted to feel that PAX Australia would be different. The original story received a lot of media coverage when it first happened, but in case you missed it, here's the rundown. So a month before PAX Australia was due to be on... ...was when Mike Krahulik made some very transphobic comments on Twitter. So Mike was on Twitter talking about a new game... ...that was intended to teach um, women and girls how to masturbate. And then Mike received this message. Someone said, wouldn't it be great if they made one for all women, even women without a vagina? And he was thrown by that. Love the death threats. I think women have vaginas. I think you call a person with a vagina woman. More death threats, please. The conversations aren't fun to read, and Mike would later admit that he got angry and should have walked away, but he defended against being labelled as transphobic. Nonetheless, these events led people like Ben to reconsider whether they wanted to be a part of PAX. Not long after these events, Pop-Up Playground announced their decision to cancel their panel. They cited concerns over the maturity of other panels, as well as Mike's comments on transgender issues as reasons for their withdrawal. I agonised about the decision personally, like should I, should I pull out, is that the right thing to do? Should I go and have a, you know, a feminist, um, queer friendly voice at the event? But um, a large part of the motivation behind it was really we wanted to send a very clear message to people about Pop-Up Playground that we want people to feel welcome and we don't want to associate with any group or event that might make people feel unwelcome or unsafe. <laughs> All right, um, somebody raise a hand. Let's let's start this off. That's the voice of Mike Kahulik. You know, if you pile a bunch of gamers together in a place, And that is Jerry Hawkins. Together, they're the founders of Penny Arcade. Would you say that we are figureheads? Mascots. Mascots. In the past 15 years, they've created a hugely successful webcomic, founded a video game charity, and then started the Penny Arcade Expo. So this is the press Q&A with Mike and Jerry. It started off with questions about staying in Melbourne and attendees keeping amused in line. Like, like the pipe cleaner sculptures is the thing it packs. But then, at the back of the room, 
A journalist brought up the topic of these games companies pulling out of packs. Yeah, I mean, I know that they decided not to come. That's absolutely their prerogative. Maybe they'll come again. I don't know. That's up to them. And then, for the next 10 minutes, it was all we could talk about. So I asked the question, which seemed to underpin this whole issue. I just wanted to get your view on um, whether you feel that this is a like queer-friendly, welcoming place for any gamer. I think it is, yeah. I mean, we, we try very hard to make it that way. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you I, I'm not coming into PAX from that perspective. Like, I can tell you that on our end, we try very hard to make it inclusive to everybody, right? I mean, you know, there's the signs when you come in that say, welcome home. We really mean it. Like, we want everybody to feel welcome here, regardless of what you think about Penny Arcade or the comic strips that we make or anything like that. Or PAX yeah. is separate, and PAX is a place where any gamer can come and should feel welcome. But Ben McKenzie believes that the issue is more difficult to resolve than that. And I know that the organisers, particularly the organisers of PAX Australia, really do want the event to be inclusive, but I think they don't understand that it's not enough to put a big sign up saying welcome home and tell people that everyone is allowed to come. You have to actually make that happen. There's a deeper question here, and that is, what does it really mean to be a queer-friendly event? And why does that matter? To answer this, I called in a friend. <laughs> uh, my name is Dorian Ellis, and I am a queer issues advocate. Dorian has first-hand experience with the subject matter, since they identify both as an avid gamer and as transgender. I usually use queer as a shorthand, because otherwise it makes me sound a little bit long-winded. But my uh, sexual orientation is asexual, my gender orientation is female-to-male transgender, and my romantic orientation is poly and pan-romantic. We asked Dorian to explain why queer-friendly events matter. Well, uh, it depends on which perspective you come to that from. Uh, for organisers and corporations, it's, it's just really good for business, and it shows that you're ethically reputable, and it has a progressive cultural impact. It's also just more professional and mature. For queer people themselves, they can feel like they might be able to go to an event and be treated with the same respect that anybody else would get. When people who aren't educated on the matter say insensitive things, it can be really hurtful and dehumanising, and it's just needlessly cruel. And because... Um, when you get down to it, really, queer rights are human rights. Now, no one we spoke to argued against inclusivity, but there were differences of opinion when it came to where responsibility lay and how inclusivity is achieved. Yeah, I mean, I think that... So the show, the show sold out. Right? This is Jerry Hawkins speaking at the press Q&A. So what we lost by them not coming was their perspective and their voice. I think that the attendees could have been well served by their perspective. Generally speaking, I think that if there is something that's being said that you don't approve of, it strategically, I think that you should add your voice to the conversation and not remove it. I think that tactically speaking, I think that that will probably, I think that communication is actually the answer. In Jerry inviting communication, it also has a side effect of making you wonder whether companies like Pop-Up Playground did the right thing by pulling out. Yeah, look, um, I got a lot of criticism from pe different people um, and people who disagreed with that decision. That was they're always their catch cry. It's like, well, what are you adding by not being here? What, why aren't you here talking about it? And there's, there's kind of two um, answers to that. First of all, we didn't, we, we didn't go silent. We made a public declaration of why we weren't going and what our problem was, and I wrote along and involved post-analysing the issues that led to our decision. 
As the story of Mike's Twitter arguments spread, the coverage included Fulbright and Pop-Up Playground withdrawing from PAX events. I mean, I had more people read that blog post I wrote about my decision not to go than anything I've ever written. That would not have happened if I had gone. Ben also added that the panel that Pop-Up Playground was intending to present wasn't about issues of gender or sex, and he felt that if they tried to shoehorn these issues in, it would have done the topic a disservice. But even if you think that Pop-Up missed an opportunity, whose responsibility is it to foster an inclusive culture? Does it come from the panellists or the attendees or the event staff, or is it a shared responsibility? At the press Q&A, another reporter asked if the stance Mike and Jerry can take on issues impact on the rank and file of the gaming communities. We're certainly not role models. We're not even especially nice people most of the time. Um, but as Penny Arcade grew, we started to realize that we had this um, power, right? In, sort of in Spider-Man style, with great power comes great responsibility. We didn't ask for it, but it grew and we, and we have it. And we try to do the best that we can with it, right? And so that's where things like Child's Play come. To date, the Child's Play charity has raised over $5 million and distributed toys and games to children's hospitals worldwide. Yeah, like we try to put as much good out there as we can because we know that we're also putting out a lot of shit. <laughs> like Penny Arcade is caustic and sarcastic and mean and violent. Um, and we recognize that, but we also try to do a lot of good stuff as much as we can, right? So. Mike and Jerry jokingly referred to themselves as the mascots of PAX, but Ben argued that they can't distance themselves so easily. Yeah, one of the, when I was listening to them answer that question, I think one of the things that I hoped someone would follow up with was that it's never, you know, honestly, it's never Penny Arcade that's the problem. It's not the comic strip that's an issue. Like when it's, it's how they react to criticism of it. But when you say you want to put good out into the world, it's great that you do charity work and it's great that they run packs and they want it to be inclusive. But if the message they are sending as the people who started packs is, we don't think you're a woman unless you have a vagina. If they think they can say that publicly to their massive audience and PAX is not affected by that, when for all their protestations that they don't organise it, they go to everyone, they are a massive part of that. After PAX Australia, I put out a call trying to find attendees who identified on any part of the queer spectrum. It's time for Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology. This is audio from the Technogaze program on Melbourne's own queer radio station, Joy FM. In this week's show, we've got a live cross to the gaming show PAX that's currently on in the showgrounds. We actually have Joy's very own Harvey and Rainer attending today. This is PAX calling. Yes. <laughs> and we've also got Avi online now too. Avi, are you there? I am. Hello, kid. What does it look like? PAX has come under fire for promoting some kind of nasty attitudes. You know, the, the, the tagline here is welcome home. I wouldn't class myself as a, as a full-time gamer, but it, it still felt like coming home to me because these people get what I do when I relax, you know what I mean? It really is delightful. I can really only agree with that. And you know what, thinking of the uh, thinking of some of the other communities they're interested in, I have seen quite a few hand-in-hand same-sex couples. And one of the attendees who was holding hands with their same-sex partner was this guy. Uh, my name's Steve Wright. I'm the editor-in-chief of Survivor.com. Uh, we're a video games community and news site, and I, you know, talk at PAX and do news and stuff. Steve, who identifies as male, attended PAX with his same-sex partner. I, I didn't feel excluded. I, I 
felt quite loved and uh, people were not only accepting of, of, you know, who I am and my relationship with my partner, but kind of asking where he was, which made him feel pretty good too. Steve said that their partner wasn't much of a gamer, so he only attended part of PAX. But he, uh, he definitely came out for the parties. In our email correspondence, Steve wrote, Not a single element of PAX Australia made me feel unwelcome in relation to my agenda or orientation. In fact, not a single element of PAX Australia made me feel unwelcome at all. End quote. On top of this, Joy FM's Technogaze also reported on people with disabilities attending. The one thing that I've also been amazed about here at PAX is the inclusiveness for uh, differently abled people. The volunteers who help run PAX on the ground here are called enforcers, uh, and they've gone out of their way to make sure that those uh, attendees who might uh, not get a good look in at other conventions certainly get their time here at PAX as well. At Kangeek, we recently published a story in which PAX organiser Robert Koo helped out a teenage boy in a wheelchair. We were, however, unable to get in contact with any people with disabilities to personally verify if they felt that PAX Australia was as accessible as it appears. But in keeping perspective, remember that these are just a handful of accounts amongst a crowd of some 30,000 attendees over the three days of PAX Australia. Yet in casting out a net for queer attendees, I wasn't able to find any negative experiences either. Again, like I think that it's a choice that you can make whether or not to attend, but we absolutely need the, we need the full spectrum of those experiences, and we get them by people attending and communicating. That's the goal. Considering this, Dorian offered the following advice on how to be open to communication and education on queer issues. I think uh, compassion, empathy, and respect are really important. And and a little introspection. Uh, Really prepare to to let your beliefs be challenged. Uh, You might have unwittingly picked up some assumptions and prejudices from society, and they need to be unlearned. Before you make any grand, sweeping, generalized statements, just take a moment to really critically analyze them and where they're coming from. Simply just taking a moment to, to stop and check that you're not actually using slurs or, or spreading a misinformed cliche can, can be really beneficial. In recent history, queer people have been really scapegoated and othered, such as homosexuality being considered a mental disorder, and also the undue fear and stigma surrounding HIV-AIDS, which is still also often considered the gay disease, which is really untrue. It's going to be one of those things, like allowing women to vote, that in the future it's going to seem like a no-brainer. Being accepting of queer people and allowing queer people to have better representation in the media, it isn't going to take uh, away anything in value from that media. It's only going to really rich people's lives. So that, that's how I feel about that. I think that it's unfortunate. Um, and I hope that they'll come back and put themselves in the mix. As to coming back, I've already indicated that I would love to, if I feel like it'll be, if I feel it'll helpful, I would love to come back and be on panel discussing issues like this. Looking to the future, Ben hopes to organise a panel at PAX Australia next year that will discuss issues of representation, since he feels that PAX doesn't currently have the schedule of a mature art form and wants organisers to take greater accountability for panel content. What I want to do is to make it even better next time, and I, I want to be involved with that. Ben also underlined that these issues are bigger than PAX, that regardless of how well PAX might deal with them, issues like inclusivity and representation are still developing within the video game industry and other video game communities. And I would love to see people expand their horizons um, and start to learn about the problems that still exist in games culture that are reflections of the problems that exist in the broader world, and because that's where they come from. These are not problems that are endemic to games. 
they're problems that are often exacerbated and seem more pointy, for want of a better term, in games, but they are a reflection of broader society. And I, I would love for a really, truly inclusive PAX to not just being a safe space, but, you know, to, to having those cultural discussions as well. From CanGeek, I've been Kyle Evans. This story brought up a number of issues that we only just skimmed the surface of. For those wanting to learn more, Dorian and Ben provided the following list of resources. Um, there's quite a few resources, both online and off. If you're listening to this, you more than likely have the internet, and Google is an extremely helpful tool. <laughs> but um, a good resource is uh, the starobserver.com.au. It's a news resource and physical publication. It's quite widely read throughout Australia. Humanrightscampaign.org have a nice little PDF booklet on their website called Coming Out as a Straight Supporter, which is which is quite nice. Queerdictionary.tumblr.com is a nice resource to use as a glossary because a lot of these terms can be quite impenetrable at first. It's not really uh, very complete, but uh, it, it'll help you get into that kind of um, different terminology and whatnot. And locally in Melbourne, we have uh, 94.9 Joy FM radio. Uh, we also have the Gay and Lesbian Switchboard, which is an anonymous peer telephone counselling service. And many universities also have queer spaces, and they usually have pamphlets and support groups, so they can also be a good place to check out issues like this. I think one of the best places you can start is to check out Geek Feminism. Uh, it's a website. I think it's geekfeminism.org. Uh, now, I, I always talk about feminism mostly because it's the thing that I've educated myself most about, but I, I try to practice intersectional feminism, which means we also concern ourselves with uh, all other issues of discrimination, including those facing um, people of colour, queer people, um, everybody. Links to all of these can be found at cannedgeek.com.